Everyone dreams about living an uncommon life, but how we define that dream is very different for each of us. And for most, it's a lifelong pursuit. Welcome to the Uncommon Life Project Podcast. We're going to introduce you to people who are living that life or enjoying the journey to get there. We're going to also give you some tools, tricks, and tips for starting or accelerating your own efforts to live an uncommon life, a life worth celebrating and savoring. Please welcome your hosts, Brian Dewhurst and Philip Ramsey. Hello, everybody. This is Philip Ramsey, your Uncommon Life host with the one and only Brian Dewhurst. <laughs> Delayed Brian Dewhurst. Delayed. Welcome to the show. Let's go with Joyce. Have we We're going with Joyce. Thank you, so. Joyce. Thank you so much, Joyce, for that All beautiful right. intro. Let's I'm introing right this, this podcast, yes. which is different for me because normally you do it, but I'm going <laughs> to give it a shot. We got to practice, right? Yep. So this episode is called Your Whole Life is Long the Market in air quotes. Um, we'll actually quote them on the show, but uh, for the point of the podcast, it's air quotes. So the market is in air quotes. And so what this is, this is actually a thing that I kind of an idea I've wanted to talk about for a long time. So I'm glad we're doing it in season two and not like season 10. Um, but this is kind of framed out of two different things. So I grew up in Omaha where Warren Buffett obviously is very popular going to, um, you know, the Berkshire Hathaway shareholders meetings. Uh, I used to get passes all the time because my mom's firm in Omaha, well, you could just get them. It was easy. And so one of the things obviously that Buffett has been renowned for is his ability to get good deals and buy different companies and different businesses and stocks in, you know, the, the downturn or when, you know, like his quote is, you know, be greedy when everybody's fearful and, and fearful when everybody's greedy or, you know, you got to buy when there's blood on the streets, that type of stuff. And, and in order to do that, you need to have cash and you need to sell at the top. Um, and then two uh, is just going through, uh, you know, two major stock market collapses in the last 20 years with the kind of the tech wreck in uh, 99 to 03. And then uh, the, obviously the financial, the great recession, I guess, is what we're calling it from uh, kind of 07 to 09. And in that, seeing how everything basically collapsed, you know, jobs were lost, the stock market collapsed, the bond market went down, um, you know, intra-year. And I think for a lot of people that we meet with, you know, they think they're diversified because they have a good job, they have a 401k, and they have like health insurance. That's like not true diversification. You know, what we would say is true diversification is like you own real estate that produces cash flow or rent, you know, like a rental, you own a business, um, you know, you have maybe investments in the market, uh, you have multiple streams of income, maybe your spouse has a good job with benefits, and you've got, you know, very little debt to no debt, and, um, you know, money's coming in multiple ways. That's more true diversification. And so, in that, I think that's kind of the genesis for this show is like, how do you as an entrepreneur mitigate your risks and the risk that you take? Because there is risk in business. Absolutely. There's risk in the stock market and they're heavily correlated. And, um, and then how do you have cash on hand to be aggressive when things are falling apart? Mm -hmm. And I think the timing of the show is actually really good because we're kind of, you know, the market's been a little unstable here the last few months. 
And, um, you know, we're kind of at this, the market's been up pretty much straight up since March of 09, you know, and it's early 2019. So, uh, basically 10 years in a row, the market's gone up and, uh, you know, we'll see, you know, we're shooting this actually in the, right at the end of 2018. So we'll see where the market ends up, but it's basically been up almost uh, 10 straight years or nine straight years. So, so let's talk about this. So we, uh, had this, here's what I wish could have happened. We were, we had a client in our office, uh, and we were talking about everything and Brian, basically this, this client brings up, uh, Tony Robbins book, money master the game. Um, and this client starts talking about it and Brian basically is like, let me just tell you something and just goes into this. He launches into this thing and it was like, could I just have recorded that? Cause it was brilliant. Let's kind of go through that because what he was saying is why not just buy low cost index funds and just be long the market. And this is when Brian kind of started formulating his thought and I wish we would have had a recorder, but this is what we're going to try to do um, in this time is kind of rehash some of those thoughts in this podcast. So, Sure. So let's take it twofold. So he, he basically had taken the profits from his main business and invested in, in other businesses and those businesses failed or, you know, are struggling Mm -hmm. and he hasn't had the return. And if he was like, if I would have just plowed those profits into like low cost index funds, I would have millions of dollars. And totally, I was like, yeah, you would potentially. And I think when you look at behavioral finance, which is like, you know, the emotion of how we act with our money, you know, would you have been able to sit on large sums of money just there being kind of a business junkie and an entrepreneur and not leverage that money? I don't know that you would have done that. You know, you didn't do that. And so with that though, it's kind of the genesis of this thing is like your whole life is long the market. And as an entrepreneur, you have to be able to sit on cash Mm -hmm. and it's very hard to do. And that's why I think our uncommon banking strategy with leveraging cash value life insurance is such a huge part of what we do, especially for entrepreneurs, because to have the discipline and ability to buy things when nobody else can stomach it, like Warren Buffett has. Well, the thing that nobody talks about with Warren Buffett is that he's like this famed investor and all this, but they literally have Berkshire Hathaway literally has interest in over 750 companies. Mm-hmm. Like he's getting cash flow from 750 different companies. Like that's diversification, right? And not only that, his main companies that produce a lion's share of the cash are insurance companies and reinsurance companies, which are very economically stable. And so he has a war chest of cash being generated every year. Now the new person I think that's in vogue that we'd talk about that has that similar potential is Jeff Bezos, right? With just Amazon, like we're all buying stuff. He's trying to get us to buy our toilet paper from Amazon now and, you know, ship it to our house every two weeks. So we don't have to leave the house. Um, you know, he's getting that, he's getting so much recurring revenue. He, like he's just plowing it into other things. And so, that gives them the ability to leverage assets and to make these strategic purchases when nobody else can do it because because they have strong core businesses. And you know, and, this is, keep going, keep going. And the last thing I'd say is just that like Warren Buffett can take gains, right? Like he's sold things. He, that's not as well publicized either is that he does sell things. Like at the tops of markets, he will sell 
companies, he will sell stocks, and he will add to his cash position ahead of downturns. And I think a lot of times that's missed as well. And so sure. I think I think that's a big part. So it was funny because this client that was sitting in her office was really advocating for this book of Tony Robbins's money, master the game. And in that, it's this whole strategy of just buy low cost ETFs and let those that money ride it out. Um, and he and he was basically saying what Brian was saying, just to bring this full circle of, I wish I would have done that. And what I would say is Tony Robbins didn't even do that. Does that make sense? He invested in other businesses, which ended up failing and realized like, I should have just bought low cost ETFs. But instead of doing that, he just invested in himself. And now he makes money every which way until Sunday. <laughs> and then writes a book about putting your money in low cost ETFs. But he has multiple... I would say multiple residual incomes that Tony oh, Robbins has. And in exactly. that, yeah, in that, then he says, well, then I'm going to start investing uh, in some, you know, low cost ETFs. I'm going to write a book about it and then also get royalties from that book. Um, and then our client was sitting here and was like, why don't I just do that? Well, the reason why you don't do that is because you're not passionate about that. And what Brian and I are advocating is running businesses are, it, it is risky. Very risky. But there's ways to de-risk that risk and if there's a way to de, I would say, I don't know if de-risk is the word, but there's ways to work around the risk as well as organize your cash flow in a personal level. Maybe that you won't need all that money month to month, but then it makes running a business or stepping your toe into a business not as scary or risky. So mm -hmm. that's what we're advocating in this podcast is you've got to think about multiple streams of income. And and that's basically it. Like when you do that and you start thinking about personally about your monthly, we call it a nut or expenses and try to keep that as low as possible and you try to do that and, and focus on that, that's when you can then take a step out and do even more riskier stuff. But the people I'd say in, and even advisors always about diversify and are you diversified in your mutual funds and all this stuff and not really helping you on the month to month or helping you on the residual basis of getting cash flow reorganized around your cash flow um, and your person, but just telling you, no, just start putting in other faucet, other facets of life, other facets. And it doesn't in line with what your goals and dreams are. You've heard us talk about this all the time. So what we're advocating is to first personally figure out what you have to do to then take your risk a little bit further later, or I would say more risky later to run a business. There's twofold in this. And that's why whenever we sit down with our clients, we really try to figure out where are they at in this continuum? Do they already have a business? Do they already have a rental property? Do they want to try to get a rental property? You can talk whenever you want, but I can get on a soapbox of this because it's not like we're trying to tell people like just start a business right away. That's the last thing we'll tell you to do. And but some people have, aren't cut out for it. Absolutely. But what we would say is everyone should have multiple streams of income, which de-risks them to then put their money in the market. Mm -hmm. So we would say. Yeah. And I think, you know, we talked about this prior to, to turning on the recorder, but, you know, we had a client we met and um, they had 600,000 in cash and, you know, they owned a farm, you know, a farm for 40 years. And, um, you know, his investment strategy was basically try to eke out a profit farming, put it in the bank, and he got five to six percent in CDs over a 40, 50 year period. And that's that's how the six hundred thousand came to be. 
and then they paid off all their debt and their farmland was free and clear and, you know, very successful. And so in that, I think what's changed in this paradigm as well with this super low interest rate environment is, is we are being teased into taking more risk. You know, saving is a lost art because there's, you don't get paid for it. Mm, you point. know, before in the bank, I remember in uh, 1999 when I first opened my first brokerage account at my mom's firm, I think I've said this before, my, my interest rate on my money market was five and a half percent. I mean, could you imagine if you were getting that on your cash at the bank right now? And uh, I know Wells Fargo is paying me nothing right now. <laughs> Get it together, Wells. I mean, give me 1%. <laughs> um, but they got the best mobile app. So uh, anyways, but that like that to me is why our uncommon banking strategy is so powerful is because it's guaranteed. It's liquid. Gives you the death benefit you want to protect your business and your family. It is taxed, you know, um, tax deferred, and we can customize the size of it to fit your situation. You know, it, it's it's easy to tailor. And so the other side of that is this gentleman we were kind of talking to and frustrated. He he kind of brought up uh, indexed annuities versus um, you know index funds, and and I think you know John Bogle is the CEO or founder of Vanguard, and and they're now kind of like the lead dog in this whole low cost ETF. And it, it's why truthfully like Philip and I are looking to, you know, always be reducing the fees on our managed money side because we know that's where everything's headed. Totally. And uh, we're trying to get in front of that. And I don't want to die on that hill. Uh, and so anyways, but my point is, you know, we are advocates of indexed annuities and basically what it is, is it gives you kind of indexed upside um, to general indexes. I think um, you're not, invested in the stock market they buy option contracts that give you leverage to the upside of the market and then they lock in at different points you know some are one year some are two years some are three year uh we just got told there's a now a five-year lock where you don't get a return for five years i was like eh, not too interested in that so they're all not equal and there's all these different indexes and so it's very complex but at the end of the day they work like cds in the sense that your principal is guaranteed and that, you know, instead of being tied to interest rates, it's tied to index returns on these, on this, you know, stock market type stuff. Mm-hmm. And we've had a lot of success with them and we like them because it kind of takes the emotion out of the stock market, but it still gives you a, a you know, good chunk of the upside of the market, which is what you want, especially as you age, you know, you want to be able to get double digit returns. You just don't want double digit losses and indexed annuities, if, if positioned right. And, um, you know, again, they're not all created equal. Um, so, you know, we do a lot of due diligence on those in the ones that we use and advocate for, but, um, you know, they're designed to do that. And what I'm saying is as a business owner, what I said to this gentleman was if you, with our uncommon banking strategy and with indexed annuities, if you could have a principal protection underneath a large portion of your money, um, and then you have the value and the upside of your business, I think you're a lot better off than just blindly investing in the stock market. And sure, at times it will be great. You know, the stock market will be at an all-time high. But when it goes down, your business is going to be correlated potentially to it going down, you know, depending on the growth and trajectory of your of your company. And so that's really where I think, you know, good financial planning and having having other people looking at the different facets of your business, the different facets of your overall financial plan and how you pull wealth outside of the business and how you reinvest that is, is critical. 
the, the other point that I would make, and this has been true of myself is, you know, before I would say we had a business, but we didn't have a brand. I think now with Uncommon Wealth, I'm like more excited than I've ever been about our brand. And it allows us to pivot in different ways and leverage, um, you know, leverage our expertise, leverage our knowledge, leverage, leverage our network in a positive way, right? Like to bring true value of different things to the market. And so what we see a lot too is people have a successful business and they, they quick, too quickly diversify outside of that business mm-hmm. and they get, they diffuse their capital, they diffuse their bandwidth and their mind and focus yep. and focus and it detracts from your ability to build wealth. You think it's actually increasing your ability to build wealth, but it's not. And the people that stay focused on one thing and one brand and systematize those things and stay within that that sweet spot. That's where the that's where the real traction and gold is, in, in our opinion, what we've seen with with successful people. And so that's where we're trying to say to to people as well is like, if you have a successful business, would it be easier to generate another stream of income that's synergistic to what you're doing mm-hmm. versus going and starting something completely different that you've never done before? And then run those two things in tandem. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, keeping within the same brand and doing something that's synergistic to your main focus is going to be way more profitable and way more sustainable and, and less risk than you know going out and starting a, a totally different business that you've never done before. That just it's just not successful. And you see that with Amazon. It, it was interesting. I was reading um, a book and he was talking about Jeff Bezos and kind of some of the different things that he did growing up and kind of more so focused on how his mom handled him as a child um, because he was obviously different and acted different than most people. And, and she embraced that as opposed to rejected that. Um, and so there's a lot of credit being given to his mom, but it, and, and, you know, we all have as entrepreneurs, I'm sure this will maybe resonate with multiple people, but I think I own like 15 different URLs right on like GoDaddy. And we meet with a lot of people and there's a lot of people that, that have their 15, right? Um, but Jeff Bezos owns www.relentless.com. And so I really encourage you guys to like go out there and just look at www.relentless.com. And my point will be made when you look at that website is what Jeff has been able to do with Amazon and the different things that he's able to bolt onto that brand. It's just so much more synergistic than if he was going to go launch now Whole Foods, you know, they bought Whole Foods. He's leveraging that across the Amazon platform from shipping and all that versus if he was just going to go out and like, I'm going to start a grocery store from scratch and it's a totally different business and I'm not going to bring them together. Yeah. He's stayed focused for so long that now he can diversify and it's going to be successful because right. he has one focus that is cash flowing for him. And I want to step back because I think sometimes when anybody... Um, including myself, here's any advisor talk about annuities. They're like, you know, anyway, Brian did say that not all annuities are created equal. And we like those indexed annuities because it's a guaranteed of principle. There's a lot of variable universal or variable annuities that are not principle guaranteed and they have high fees. What we like to do is buy these index annuities straight for capital appreciation. 
and the guarantees. We don't really buy them for income. Um, it's not like we won't, but we just don't feel like there's a need um, for most of the time. We like it for the lower fees and the principal guaranteed. And then we'd like life insurance because there are guarantees in those. We like to try to guarantee as much as we can. So when we do step out and have our clients start businesses, we know that that side of the ledger is short up mm-hmm. and that thing isn't going to go down. Um, because the last thing you need is to try to take a step out in business and the risk that that takes. And then the market takes a hit and all your money goes down. Like that seems like a double edge, double whammy almost. Mm-hmm. It is. And so, and we understand that. So what we like to do is try to shore up one side of the ledger with guarantees. And so we know exactly what's going to happen. And, and as advisors, that's like the best way to plan is with guarantees. Um, people can argue that, but I would say the way that we practice and the things that we really get passionate about are not guaranteed. And so what we try to do is try to guarantee one side of the ledger, like I said before, and then we try to let you step out and really try to find your passion on the other side by de-risking as much on the as one side as we can. So. Yeah. And I think too, the last comment I'd make, you know, index news aren't for everybody and, and nothing is right. We're all different. And, uh, but the nice thing about index annuities are they lock in your gains. It takes the emotion out of it. And it's kind of like deal or no deal. You know, uh, you watch people's kind of greed build and especially we're in that right now with the market near all time highs. And now it's getting a little shaky. It's just like, well, I want to lock that in, um, you know? And so these things offer that ability to lock in gains unemotionally. And so that's, that's nice. And when it happens, people are like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Right. Um, I wish I could have been in these longer. And so when you look at over the last 20 years, most people losing half their money in the stock market twice. Uh, I think these things make a lot of sense. And, uh, when you look at the systemic risk in our economy, from the 25 trillion that's been printed over the last, you know, 10 years by all these different governments and the inflation that we're going to see and the erosion of the principal value of our dollar, um, you know, and the, the fluctuations we're going to see in the stock market because of that and the easy money as these interest rates go up, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of a nice complement to an overall plan. Uh, and so, yeah, I guess I'll leave it at that. No, it's good. So your whole life is long the market. It really is. And when you're taking and advising uh, people to really f- chase after your passions, you really got to be careful with the way that you advise their current money. And we, we would call that the barbell approach where we try to shore up your day-to-day cash flow as much as we can because the next thing that we're going to do, there is some risk involved and we try to litigate risk as much as possible. When we start talking like that to our clients, man, the sense of ease and excitement and uh, safety they feel of two advisors that really care about them, it seems to go up drastically because we do have an uncommon story and we feel like all of our clients are uncommon and they're going after this uncommon life, hence the reason for the podcast. Um, and we love being on that journey with them. Mm-hmm. And I think I think a big part of what we do too and is just giving people options. And I think yes. you, know, you go to the bank, you don't have many options right now because they're just not paying you for the time that you need to tie up your money. Uh, like they used to. I mean, they used to, you know, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, I mean, you could get seven, eight, nine percent on a CD. Well, shoot, you're going to leave your money there. 
But now at one or two percent, you're losing money. Tie it up for three to five years, you're not going to do that. And then you go into the stock market, and it's like, oh, I'm down fifteen percent. That doesn't feel good. And so that's really where we feel like we can bring a lot of value is helping people understand banking more of a process instead of a product um, with our uncommon banking approach. And then obviously we understand the stock market and can help people invest in that. But we also understand insurance. And so knitting those three together with business risk as you age and as you pay tax and, and as you take risk is really powerful and just letting you know the options available to you so that you can make an informed choice. I think one of the things Philip that you always say to people that I think is really, you know, really uh, can't think of the word, but it's just important for people to hear is like people are actually pretty intelligent. Totally. And if you just present them the options and the pros and the cons, they're nine times out of 10 going to make a really good decision based on themselves. And they're not going to second guess it. They're not going to think twice. So it's, I think it's our job just to paint a picture of like, what are these different options and how could some of these things fit together differently so that you have less risk and you can pursue kind of the life that you want. I've always said that I'm just the world's worst salesman. <laughs> All I do is give people options. And so do you, Brian. Like We're just not very good salesmen, but we do like to give people options. And we do like to ask them like, hey, do you want us to help you get there? Or, you know, what, what do you want our next steps to be? But you're exactly right. Like people love options and then they love to make decisions and they usually mm. make great decisions. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so. And I think the the last thing, and I don't know how we're doing on time, but um, the last thing I would say too is, is I think a lot of times what we're doing is just giving people uh, new ideas. And I'm excited about another duo cast we're going to do. Uh, we're still trying to figure out the name of it, but you know, giving people ideas is one of our favorite things just because we see a lot and we're exposed to a lot and not ideas in terms of just investments, but maybe different ideas on how to monetize what they already have yes. in a different way. Um, you know, I, I think our school system is doing a poor job of helping people monetize their passion. Mm -hmm. And I think at the end of the day, a big portion of what we're doing and a big reason you know, we interview the people that we are on the podcast is because they figured out how to tap into what makes them unique or uncommon. And they've also figured out how to monetize it and scale it in a way that's attractive and brings value and, you know, is just different and unique. And, and so I think at a core, that's what we want to help people with is like, not only can you do what you're passionate about, but you can make money from it and probably oh. enough money commensurate with what you're doing now. And it's, it's interesting to me because, you know, we have such amazing clients and people that are like super hardworking, super successful, diligent. And a lot of them are doing it for other companies. And then when you flip the script, cause a lot of these people have ideas that they want to do, or, you know, they've, they've kind of thought about owning their own business, but for some reason it's like a whole different thing. And I'm just, the, the question I think we always ask them is like, have you ever done something that you didn't feel successful in? And a lot of times in the sense of like providing an income, right? But like most of the time, the answer is no. Like, yeah, I always just work hard and you figure it out and, you know, God provides and, you know, the ends meet. And it's like, why would you think that would be any different if you owned your own business and you were doing what you're truly passionate about? Just for yourself. It'd be yeah. tenfold. You'd be that much more passionate. Yeah. It's, it's just so interesting. And it's like, you're working so hard for this company 
you're not, and you're not even like totally into it. Like you kind of want to do something else and you're making whatever you're making, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80, hundred thousand plus. Yeah. Why would you not think you couldn't make that doing your own thing and doing what you're passionate about? And then again, that's as part of a financial plan is pairing all these other decisions on how to support taking a risk like that. If that's what you and your wife or you decide to do. Yes. I had a, I had somebody come to me like, do you have a lot of business owner, business owners as clients? No businesses as clients. And I was like, no, we have a lot of individuals that own businesses. <laughs> Cause like individuals yeah. run businesses, like businesses just don't run themselves. Right. And what these business owners are finding is that we're really good at running a business, but I don't know how in the world that fits into my personal plan. And what I really want to have as advisors is to help me with my personal plan as well as my business. And how do they, how do they intercede or what's the, what word did you always use? Starts with a C. I don't know. You always say it. It's amazing. When two oh, rivers come together, convergence. Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Uh, you worked through that. Yeah, I did. Uh, here's what I would say too. You said something about we love to give people ideas of things that they already have that they never really even thought about in the first place. And I'll give you my personal example. I went to Airbnb. We've been advising some of our clients to get into rentals and try the Airbnb route. Um, but when I got on Airbnb, I was looking through houses and there was one house on the market and I was like, oh, I wonder what the available availability is of this house. And it was available one week out of the year. That's what it was. And I guarantee, that's a strong word, almost can guarantee you that that family was going on vacation that one week and opened up their personal house because they were already paying the mortgage. What if no one rents it out? Who cares? They are going to pay the mortgage. Yes. So what's the risk in that? Um, So in my personal story, we're going to try to Airbnb our own personal house and uh, see what that does. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. We don't really have a lot of skin in the game. Um, Again, there's some risk in there. There's some investment, uh, but something that we're okay with that risk. And so we love to give people solutions and even like outsider perspective solutions that really seems to energize our clients. And that's a fun thing. So we are about five minutes over. I'm so sorry. That's my fault. But I love this conversation and I love this because we all are really long the market. And so Mm -hmm. why don't we take that risk for ourselves? That's what we want, right? Mm -hmm. So anyway, thanks for listening. Brian, any closing thoughts? No, just if if this resonated with you or yeah, whatever, we're we're here to talk. Uh, You can, uh, you know, do our 15 minute free call with Philip and I at uncommonwealth.com, schedule us. And uh, we're here. We love talking about this stuff and uh, we know... We know that this resonates because, you know, we, we get these all the time now. People are like, ah, oh, really, we're just running into a lot of people that want to do this stuff outside of the stock market. Like, I have enough money in the stock market. We're not belittling that. It's definitely a piece of the overall pie. But if you want tangible, actionable help launching a rental property or a business or you just need another idea, you know, we ran into a guy the other day that's getting laid off and he's just like, I just love business. I've always thought about owning my own business. I just don't have an idea. And that's where I'm excited to push into some content on franchises because I think that's, you know, franchises are a great thing for people like him um, that he'd be a really good business owner, but he might not have that, that idea of like, I want to start this business. 
Um, and so anyways, long story short, uh, we're here and we want to talk through your personal situation and, um, yeah, see if we can be of value. So thank you so much for listening. Absolutely. You've been listening to the Uncommon Life Project. Thanks. That's all for this episode of the Uncommon Life Project brought to you by Uncommon Wealth Partners. Be sure to visit UncommonWealth.com to learn more about our services. Don't miss an episode as we introduce you to inspiring people who are actively pursuing an uncommon life.